All right. Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kelly S. from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, April 5th. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 47. The fourth last paragraph there at the end of the page starts with a besides a seeming inability. We'll be reading just that one paragraph and commenting on that only. So today's readers are for the 12 steps, Rowan M, 12 traditions, Susan H, and the readers of the text are going to be Terry N and Irene M. So the reference numbers for Wednesday, yesterday, April 4th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 11247, 11247, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 11250, 11250. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At a vision for you, Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rowan M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Rowan. Good morning. This is Rowan M. I'm calling from New York, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service, and I pass. Thanks, Rowan and M. Next up, we have Susan H. reading 12 Traditions. Good morning, Susan. Good, good morning. This is Susan H., uh, recovered compulsive reader from Ohio. And uh, the 12 traditions of Readers Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. 
too. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeager who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, O-Readers Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, O-Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you for letting me serve. Thank you so much, Susan H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 47 at the end of the page there, fourth last paragraph, and it starts with besides a seeming inability. And I will now ask Terry in to begin reading. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Terry N. in New Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. And okay. Besides a seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. Many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. 
It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. So um, I love what I had heard shared in the previous paragraph about not having to understand or not having to have a previous knowledge of God or just becoming willing. And, you know, the way that I became willing to listen to what people were sharing with me was that I was faced with alcoholic destruction and then I was finally beat into a state of reasonableness. I don't know that I would have accepted this program as outlined in this book and to do these things unless I had first gotten that gift of desperation. Uh, I think that, um, and unfortunately for me, it was a very tedious process and it took a very long time for me to be open-minded and willing to do whatever was laid out in front of me. And because I had to get to that point of being faced with destruction and having, like I already said, I do have a tendency of repeating myself, that gift of desperation that, you know, I could no longer do what I was doing and get by. Um, the food beat me into a state of reasonableness and, and that's where I ended up. And I am so grateful for that because now, no matter what anybody told me, if it was in, in this, I would be willing to do it because I am experiencing recovery like I have never experienced in ever. And I've, you know, like many of us have been in and out and in and out. And uh, today I know to turn to God and, and my fellows. And I'm just so grateful for that. And I'm grateful for this opportunity. And thanks for letting me share. I pass. Well, thank you, Terry N. Okay, so who would like to um, share on the paragraph we just read? Katie G. from Boston. Kim G. from South Jersey. Melissa C. This is Larry. Sandy. Vasa O. Okay, well, hey, that was pretty easy. Let's stop there. Here's what I have. Katie G, Kim G, Melissa C, Larry K, Sandy, I didn't get your initial, last initial, and Vasa O. So if everybody can make sure you're muted, press star one. We will get started with Katie G, followed by Kim G. Good morning, Miss Katie. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic, starting my timer in Boston. Yeah, so this is, for me, more proof about that this is not, step two is not about me discovering who God is and having some like pretty high in the high poetic, poetic definition of God. This is about understanding that there is a God. I'm not it. And what is preventing me from God? So obstinacy, heck yeah, hard-headedness. I'm the I know guy. I'm in the food, right? And you're telling me you have a solution. And I'm like, yep, I know. Or actually, what kind of 12 steps are you talking about? Like all my, like I'm sitting there binging my brains out and getting a solution. And yet somehow 
you're wrong, right? And I can still be that way. It's like, no, things are supposed to be my way and it's not working, but it's got to be my way. Or sensitiveness. You know, the the 12 steps um, have revealed to me that whenever I have a feeling that's not like happy, it's motivated by fear, right? So what what my guides have taught me is that I have this fear. I'm not good enough, right? So I feel like I'm not good enough. So I put on the glasses of not good enough. And husband uses a tone of voice, guess what? Not good enough. Sponsor uses a tone of voice, guess what? More proof, KDG, you're not good enough. Um, And what I'm learning, what I continue to learn as a recovered woman is actually the main problem, right? Where is the main problem? It's in my mind. And I'm sensitive, I'm Susie sensitive. So someone might say an innocuous thing like, put your dish away. And I'm like, put up your dukes. Who do you think I am? Like, I'm KDG and you need to validate me. You need to help, like, help my insecurity. You need to affirm my fear that I'm not good enough and make me feel whole and sensitive and and complete. That's not too much to ask, is it? You know, so these old ideas, prejudice, old ideas, anything I thought up to five minutes ago about who I'm supposed to be, about who God is supposed to be, about the way my life is supposed to look right now, and I still get stuck. Like, nope, you're you're doing something that I don't want to do, and I'm going to have a meltdown. But what's different today is, thank you, God, I can be agnostic in my life, but I'm not agnostic about the food, and in many areas, God has blown me out of the water. And so I use these 12... Steps, the purposeful application of these 12 steps to, yes, continue my understanding of God, but I don't, I don't understand God. I never want to understand him because if he's big enough for me to understand, then he's not big enough to handle my problems. You know, and again, the main problem is me, my conceptions, the way I'm interpreting the world. And thank God I have these steps to continue to prove to me that I am wrong. God is right. I don't know what's best. And, you know, the only problem I'll close with this is not what's happening. It's my reaction to it. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. Next up, Kim G, followed by Melissa C. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Um, this, uh, oh gosh, here is, ah, sorry. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. You know, I like to use analogies. So this is my analogy. You know, I have absolutely no sense of direction. You know, I get lost in hotels, and, and I barely left Burlington County, New Jersey, because I would always get lost. And then they came out with this thing called a GPS. And people told me if I put an address in this machine, that it would get me to that location and give me specific directions. I was so thrilled because of my powerlessness over directions. I did not feel a need to find out where these satellites were that were telling me where to go. I did not feel a need to see the patent. I did not need to talk to the engineers. It was purely my need, my powerlessness of not having a sense of direction that propelled me to trust this GPS. And the more the GPS got me to the locations, the more faith I had in that GPS. That to me is a perfect example of step two. I am powerless over food, and my life is unmanageable, drunk or sober. And that need of a power was all I needed for step two. Now, let me tell you, GPSs have improved greatly. I now have a GPS that tells me what the traffic is and diverts me around traffic. That's the same thing with my recovery. Seven years ago, the higher power that I had when I recovered is very different than today. 
because I need to grow that relationship the same way that that GPS has, has grown. So that all, that's all that step two is. And when it says alcohol is the great persuader, you know, I was taught in step three that I had to quit playing God. And I'll tell you, the greatest challenge for that for me is in sponsoring. I'm instructed, don't push or prod. What I'm being told in, in working with others is that I don't want to get in between someone and their first step experience. Let me tell you, when I recovered, I had to go against my instincts. I had to go against my thinking in store in order to recover. It's the same thing with carrying this message. You know, I often know, I know you feel like if you're in the food, you feel it's mean that people won't work with you unless you put the food down. You feel like, why won't people just talk to me so I can feel better today? That's because this book is very, very clear. First, we have to put the food down, then we work the steps. And no matter how eloquent a speaker is, it doesn't matter what we say. You're not going to remember what I said or Harlan said or Leia said when, you, when that mental twist is on. What is going to convince you is the food. And until that, that food convinces you, there's nothing that any recovered person can do. But let me assure you, once the food convinces you, a recovered person will take your hand and lead you through these steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kim G. Next up, Melissa C., followed by Larry K. Good morning, Melissa. Hi. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, you know, I was very handicapped um, by this antagonistic response that I had to God. And, um, you know, I bristled. I was so smart that I bristled at the thought of relying on something that, um, you know, frankly, I thought let me down. And and I, you know, I actually thought that creating my my own conception of God was hokey. Like, I thought, okay, that's overly made up. That's way too simplistic for someone like me. And I even said things like initially, like, okay, so if you're telling me my thinking is so broken um, and I can't stop eating and I can't rely on my thinking and the problem exists in my mind, then how can you tell me that I'm going to now rely on a God that I'm going to conjure up by basically my own mind? And, you know, that's a pretty reasonable, logical argument. Um, Yeah, go on, keep arguing. How's that working? You know, and what shut up like that overly logical and intellectualized garbage, because that's really what it was, was a lot of garbage, um, was pain. Like, yeah, pain is the great convincer. Um, Eat enough keep turning to the food enough and like I was willing to at that point throw out my extreme intelligence that was keeping me you know I thought I was so smart but was keeping me from having um recovery and you know food like alcohol beat me into a state where I just stopped being too smart for this program and this spiritual experience and you know so what do I learn that when my when my pain grows really great I stop fighting help. Like, um, and that's true today. I don't like pain. Like, who wants to be in pain? But I love when I heard that, like, a pearl grows, you know, when there's sand in there, when there's that irritation. And today, like, I need my God to grow big. I, you know, I have new problems. Like, so it's not putting the food down today. It's like getting out of my daughter's business. It's getting out of 
my husband's business, out of my mother's, my sister's. And I can't grow God unless I'm in some discomfort. That's just the truth here. You know, but I don't need to know what my God needs to grow into. All I need to know is that God needs to grow. And feeling crushed is like the best place to start. So we don't have to be super smart. You know, we don't have to understand God. All I have to understand is that I'm not it. I need something, and I need something today. You know, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Next up, Larry K. followed by Sandy. Hey, Larry. Hey, Kelly. Thanks so much for your service. Start my timer here. The, um, you know, the, the, the couple of things that come to mind as we read this morning, uh, you know, the prejudice that, that one can carry into this step and that we need to remain open-minded. For me, you know, one of those was step two is, is, is about, you know, giving up the notion for me of trying to make something special happen. Why is it that I come into this program, come to step two, trying to make this happen? See, when I do, when I do the work, when I surrender to the idea of a power greater than myself, here's the irony. In, let of, in letting go of wanting to try to make something special occur, maybe I begin to realize that something very special is already unfolding. You know, it's already, in fact, it's always occurring. Namely, a new life is emerging for me in each moment of the awareness that I have. And as I, you know, as I, this step does not have to be complex. And what if, what if this is about getting out of the way of something organic, you know, something that's going to unfold? You know, can I allow myself in the face of my fears, in the face of the uncertainty, the pain, can I trust in this process? And can I cease trying to make something special happen? And, you know, the program of action is not a series of techniques where I make this happen, you know, where I kind of, you know, get under the shower of pixie dust here. Let me make this happen. Let me work it harder. It's more of an organic unfolding where I put down the magic wand that I didn't believe in anyway, frankly. And if I follow these steps precisely and just remain open, then this results in my ability to remain or to become more congruent for the first time in my life. It's not a collection of 12 techniques, a thousand slogans. It's a way of being, or maybe, maybe it's more a way of seeing. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Sorry about that. Um, okay. Thanks, Larry. Uh, next up, we have Sandy. Sandy, I didn't get the initial of your last name. Sandy, yes, as in Sandy, and I'm in Florida and North Carolina. Hey, hey, Sandy. Hi. Hi, yeah, obstinacy. I think that's, you know, it's an interesting word because sometimes I think I'm so persevering. That's one of my character strengths, persevering motivated but boy the opposite of that is this just this strongly motivated this obstinacy and I really feel like I can't even remove that that God needs to remove that because I struggle with step two I mean I've been in the program a long time and you know and I love the idea of the willingness you know like I 
I have so much evidence of a higher power in my life, yet there's a part of me that just remains in this incredible fear. And the fear is just what other people said, the fear that I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to surrender to God. You know, I mean, you know, fill in the blank. It's a thousand things. And it's really boring. And uh, I've had so many accomplishments in my life that are pretty miraculous. And, And with every single one of them was always preceded by, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And, you know, I'm sick of it. I mean, I have reached the point, I have had long-term abstinence. I have definitely worked the steps to my best of my ability because that's the reason I have the long-term abstinence. But this one thing, this fear that everything depends on me, you know, I've had no problem in terms of ever being lazy. It's the opposite. I'm overly doing Overdo, overdo, over. The hardest thing for me is to relax and let go and trust that if I'm not constantly doing, 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 you know, that the whole world is going to fall apart. So I am entirely ready to give up this obstinacy. I just want to say this. And, but it's not within my control. And that's what really pisses me off. You know, like, I just want to believe already. Don't I have enough proof? And so just one day at a time, You know, I'm really praying that slowly, slowly, slowly that obstinacy is going to wear away and that I will see the true gifts I have and have confidence in my ability to access a higher power and be really effective and loving. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you, Sandy S. Next up is Vasa O. Good morning, Vasa. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I'm calling from Florida. And, um, you know, I came, this is where I was was when I came to Overeaters Anonymous, and this was my last hope. I had, you know, I had given into the food by by that time. I just could not control it any longer, and I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I really was ready to surrender. I remember saying, I don't care who I surrender. I really didn't, I didn't like to talk about God, you know. A higher power was more, I I could say that a higher power, it was just easier for me to say than God. Uh, I did grow up with fear for punishing God, and thank God my sponsor said, well, you know, you don't have to have that God. I lend you mine, and I still was skeptical about it, you know. But I, you know, I did adapt higher power, and today I do call that higher power God. And it's taken me a long time to trust and to believe in that higher power. And as I said, uh, it says here: faced with alcoholic destruction, with alcoholic destruction, we soon become as open-minded. And on spiritual matters, as we had tried to be on other questions. And that was ready. I was just so, so ready. And this uh, respect, alcohol was great persuader. And the food was my persuader. I, it, it finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Some t- 
chance this was tedious process. We hope no other, uh, no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. And I was prejudiced, you know, before came to to the program. And uh, this was that, you know, you know, I had to take this path. Was live or die, and I was just so ready to surrender, because also people I had seen before with the disease that were suffering with the disease and how they died, you know, on this earth for so long, so many years, being in pain and suffering. And I remember saying, I don't want to do that, you know. I want to be, I want to do what this other recovering people are doing. And I was just so ready. But I thank God that I learned about allergy. I'll wrap it up. Thank God I learned about the uh, mental obsession. I didn't know any of that stuff. I thank God I put the food down and I started working the steps. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. All right. We, let me tell you guys where we're at. We are in the big book, obviously, and we are on page 47 when the fourth last paragraph, starting with besides a seeming inability. And we just read and commented on that one paragraph. Who would like to share? Ginger C. Leah M. Irini M. Helen L. John L. John L. I heard a gentleman. Craig F. Craig F. Lori W. Let's stop there. Um, And if you guys can all please remute by pressing star one so we can have a quiet meeting. Here's our lineup. Ginger C. Leia M. Irini M. Helen, didn't get your last initial, John L., Craig F., and Lori W. So we will start with Ginger C. followed by Leah M. Good morning, Ginger. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you so much for your service. This is Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And um, this paragraph, you know, faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we tried to have, tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. And I'm just so grateful to God. And I shared a lot for every beautiful bite I had to take because one last bite and I may not be sharing with you this morning. So it takes what it takes. But again, that's where it happens. That's where step one occurs is when I'm out there and I'm eating and I'm dying. And I'm just so grateful again because when I came in, I had no questions. I didn't care how it worked or why it worked. I was done. I was saving my life and I knew it. So what did you do? Because I want what you have. And I stopped asking questions and I finally completely surrendered in a way I gave up completely. I knew that I needed help and I was willing to go to any lengths for this. So, you know, I just pray you're done today and I pray that today's pain is enough pain because this only will progress as any disease does. But, you know, you have to let go of your ideas. You have to be out of ideas. I had many ideas for 20 years in OA about how I was going to do this deal. And again, thank God for that great persuader, all those bites I had to take. Because I finally, I had no idea what I was doing, but all I knew is that I was dying. So, you know, and I just love that first sentence we read, besides a seeming inability to accept much on faith, that only appears the 
that way. You know, it's just a seeming situation. And thank God that we evolved, like someone said so beautifully yesterday, we just get busy and it automatically happens. I don't need to understand or know God. God just works mysterious ways for me. If I do the deal and I get into action and, um, and I take it like my life depends on it because it does. So I'm just so grateful again for the bites I took and the willingness that I was, uh, you know, I was willing to go to any lengths for this victory. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Ginger C. Next up, Leah M., followed by Arini M. Good morning, Leah. Good morning. Thank you so much. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. You know, when I think about this paragraph this morning, I reflect on two uh, medical life-threatening situations that I've had in my life with myself, where my life was at stake. And, uh, you know, when the medical professionals arrived uh, at my door um, and surrounded me in those situations, you know, there's a complete surrender in the sense where I just fell into their arms of their care, you know, their knowledge, their power, their experience in a situation like that where you have someone whose life is on the line moments away from death um, and you you just fall limp, you know, uh, <laughs> that's what I think about, this sense of urgency. And that, and that is the state in which I found myself in, you know, right before recovery. I was eating with a sense of urgency I'd never known before. Um, you know, the emotional turmoil, the mental torture, the physical consequences uh, were, uh, you know, progressing at such a voracious rate. It was a life and death matter. And I had no time to uh, give great intellectual thought to the solution about the program of recovery and what God was and what or what God wasn't, because I was going to die during investigation. The reality was that, um, you know, any move I make made, uh, I got further into the quicksand. You know, Bill used that analogy that he had been in the quicksand, stretched all around him in all directions, and any move he made, of course, drove him, you know, deeper into the quicksand, and that's how I felt. You know, I had tried everything possible, all my efforts, all my intellect, all my self-knowledge, my willpower, my determination, my motivation, and only found myself deeper and deeper and deeper into this addiction. You know, it was a... It was a throwing myself out, please save me, uh, dethrone my intellect in favor of a reality of a power greater than myself. God could and would if he were sought. And, uh, you know, that, that, that was it. You know, it was just no arguing, no debating, no more confusion. Just, I am done. I am beaten. I am done. You guys have a way out. Please show me that way. And it was with that complete surrender uh, that, you know, I found there's no limit on God's grace. Those who recover are not special. We don't have special credentials. We haven't been appointed by anyone. I'm just wrapping up. Uh, suffering was the invitation to this transformation for someone like me. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Leia M. Next up, Irene M., followed by Helen. Good morning, Irene. 
Thank you, Kelly, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. What resonates with me here is how stubborn and inflexible I was, refusing to see anything except the way I wanted to see things. It had to always be my way, and this kind of thinking that I had did not serve me, but it harmed me. You know, I always resisted. I always fought. My attitude was that I knew best. Well, that attitude of thinking drowned me. It polluted me so much that I couldn't breathe. My thoughts only served my disease. I was full of rage and out of control. I ran to my smaller god, food thinking that it would calm me down. Oh, and it did for a while, but it buried me. It it buried me into my abyss, and I thought food would relieve me, and there was the problem. I thought. So so my so-called human thinking didn't serve me. It only caused me a lot of pain and destruction, but that is all that I knew at the time, and the pain brought me to reach for something new. I needed to reach for a source of hope because I wanted to end my life. But the truth is I wanted to end my pain and my suffering, not my life. You know, I grew up in the church. My mother was a daily prayerful woman. I was surrounded with God, but I didn't see that. I was too busy living and being controlled by my thoughts. I was focused on how to fix me. I was disconnected and suffering, and I brought everybody with me on my emotional roller coaster. And today, I am free from that bondage of self. I am recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. If I didn't abandon my thinking that handicapped me and stayed disconnected, I wouldn't be speaking on this line today as a recovered person. I would still be sleeping and hypnotized by my illusions. And thank you, God, for awakening me and giving me spiritual eyes. Thank you, God, for melting my shadows with the light of the Spirit. Thank you, God, for always being there and taking care of me and continuing to awaken me each and every day. Just as long as I do my part, God carries me the rest of the way to where he would have me be. And there is no need to understand just for now except this invitation of making a decision for willingness to connect. And once we're connected, we get to expand and grow Accept this beautiful gift and learn from those who have trudged this road of happy destiny. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Irene M. Next up is Helen, followed by John L. Helen, I didn't get your last initial. L as in Lima. Okay, great. Thank you. You're up, Helen. Thank you. This is Helen L. from Pembroke, Canada. Um, I'm really grateful, and I find... I find myself often snickering on this line because I just, um, basically I'm laughing at myself because I find things very, very uh, amusing, especially when I get a picture in my mind of what I'm like. There's a real, being the state of reasonableness and the state of optimacy, there's a slippery slope right there for me. Um, You know, I, I got this vision of myself as a toddler in program, you know, and uh, my higher power is that parent who's watching me. And as I get my feet under me and as I learn more and more about this program and more and more what, what I need to do, 
I can slip into obstinance and um, uh, arrogance really, really quickly. Um, but but what I find is is that I'm that toddler who's you know sort of gets my feet under me and starts walking towards the end of the deep end, towards the deep end of the pool, and I and I'm I'm ready to go. And every once in a while, I look back and there's my parent picking me up and pulling me back and showing me the way to go. And that's that's what I equate it to. Um, I think that um, I you know just in realizing that about myself today, I'm so grateful because I realize how close I am to either edge, and that the only way that I'm going to find the right path to go is to continually um, just look and seek a higher power, just to continually do that um, on a day-to-day basis. That's what I need to do in terms of where I'm at in my program today. And um, I'm really grateful to be on this line because no matter how much I learn, no matter how much I think I know, there's so much more to know. And I only can find that through my constant connection with a, with a higher power. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much for your share, Helen L. Next up, John L., followed by Craig F. Good morning, John. Good morning. Uh, this is John L., uh, compulsive overeater, and I live in Arizona. Um, my first concept before the program of God really was a concept of other people's concept. And that wasn't really working for me. I learned in this um, part of the big book that I had to develop my very own relationship and understanding of a God that was my understanding and who and how this uh, higher power would really work in my life. And I had a real big problem within me Because um, at the time, I was working at a radio TV stations, and I always thought that selfishness was all of those arrogant, egotistical, narcissistic people. My God, look at that arrogance, and and, and that's selfishness, and geez. And and luckily, this nice lady at a meeting pointed out to me that, you know, John, I think you're like I am. And that is that we are on the self-pity side of this selfishness. And what my problem was is poor me. Look at what happened to me. Look what God did to me. And, and woe is me. And, you know, that's selfishness too. And I didn't realize that, but I do today. And when I'm sitting there, sitting on a pity pot, I'm thinking about myself and myself again. And that is just a real miserable way of thinking. And I was suffering from that very badly. But when I start developing and having my own concept of God, it took God's power to get me out of that kind of thinking. And when I get out of that thinking, the antidote to that was starting to think and help others. For example, in Christmas time, as I was a kid, it's always about me. Santa Claus, what are you going to bring me? Me, 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 me. But who would have ever known, and thanks to this, this part of the book right here, that by thinking of others, the joy is in giving. The joy is in thinking of others' well-being. The joy is being of service to others. And my result of all of this is happiness, 
and joy as opposed to that poor me pity pot and all that misery that I was suffering from. And that's what was really keeping me from my higher power. That's all I have. Thank you. I pass. Thank you so much, John L. Next up, we have Craig F., followed by Lori W. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. This is Craig. Can you hear me? I can. Good. Good. Okay. Um, obstinacy, hard-headedness. I think that's probably one of my most defining character traits. Um, and, you know, uh, Kim talked about her, her her GPS and surrendered her GPS. I still have paper maps, and and I take I take great glee in finding a shortcut uh, that uh, the GPS hasn't given me, and and figuring out how to cut around a back road and save time, and and you know because I'm not going to let that machine tell me what to do, <laughs> and and uh, you know Le- Leah talked about her. Uh, about the medical people and surrendering to the medical people. And, and, and again, I, I've always taken great glee in arguing with the medical people, questioning them, uh, looking for another opinion, trying to figure, you know, out because I think, I don't know what I think. I, I think that maybe they're doing something to run up the bill or they're, or, you know, but I'm hard headed and, and, and that's what it really is, is that I, it, it's difficult for me to surrender to anything and, and then surrender to a higher power. You know, at the, the closest I got when I was first in program was to say, change me, you know, God, just change me and then I'll take over, you know, hold my beer. I, I can handle it from here, you know, and, and in other words, I wanted this some sort of miracle that gave me the power, you know? So uh, I I miss that concept that's in step one that says I'm powerless over food and my life's unmanageable. I thought the steps were going to give me power over food and that were going to make me powerful. And and I thought that God was going to wrought this miracle that took away this disease and and he was going to do it and then I could work the steps. And, and, and I was pretty hard-headed. I pursued that, that attitude uh, to the point that it, uh, to the gates of death. And, and uh, you know, today I understand that, that it's a, that part of that surrender, part of that um, accepting that there's a God and I'm not it, is accepting that, that in order for that God to be active in my life, to be effective in my life, that, that I need to clear away the wreckage of the past, that I need to, to do those that inventory, that I need to do those amends, that I need to ask God to remove my character defects so I can get to the place then where I can live in, in, in those growth steps in 10, 11, and 12, and, and that if I do that work, that God remains uh, uh, close to me, I can remain close to God uh, and that I don't have to, uh, I don't have to Hi. try to, I, thank you, I don't have to try to figure out a, cl- a quicker way than God gives me on my spiritual GPS, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Craig F. Next up, we have Lori W. Good morning, Lori. Good morning. Good morning, my fellows. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you for such a great meeting, everyone. Uh, Lori W., Compulsive Overeater. 
uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, one of the things I was thinking about is, as the professors were teaching class today was that um, part of my um, inhibition or uh, barrier to my recovery was that um, I was stubborn. And, and yes, in many, many ways, but in this one way, I was stubborn to believe that God wanted to change me and help me. Um, I believed, and as many of you do, that I'm not worthy. I wasn't worthy of recovery. Um, I couldn't do anything to change myself. I was going to be like this forever. And those things were true. They were true. And um, if you think that you don't deserve recovery, you are on your way to recovery because you're absolutely right. We don't deserve this. Um, the wonderful stories and the history and the help that Harlan shares with us, we don't, he didn't deserve that. But it was given to him. We talk about something on this on this line every morning, but we don't label it as what it is. And that is grace. We are given things that we don't deserve. I don't deserve recovery. All the havoc that I have wreaked in my life, I don't deserve to live in peace today. I deserve for my spirit, my mind, and my body to continue to be tortured. It was tortured. I was, I'm 5'1". I was almost 300 pounds. Um, that was torturous for me. I don't deserve the grace to live in a 115-pound body, size zero or two today. I don't, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve for there to be uh, when the, the flames and the fire of insanity and craziness start breaking out and burning down my life and my, my thought process. I don't deserve a, a God who's a fireman to come and extinguish that. It's grace. And so if you feel like you don't deserve recovery, you're on your way there because that is the beginning, the humility, setting aside all of the garbage. We don't deserve it. We don't. If someone comes and offers you $25 million today, are you going to say, oh, no, thank you. I don't deserve that. No, you're going to start figuring out ways to use that, how to spend that capital. Recovery is capital. We have 24 hours to spend recovery a day. We have been graced with recovery, and it is ours to share. We're on this line to share it with others, and then it's time for you to step up and get your grace. Get in line for your miracle to happen, and it will come to fruition for you. Put the food down, step away from the table, get your recovery, and go with grace and share it with another. And that, for me, was transformational in my thought process in my healing, in my recovery, in my mind, in my body, in my spirit. And today I live on grace. I don't live on food. Food, I stop every now and then to take some nourishment to keep my energy going. Thank you. But today I live on grace, and I invite all of you all to come on the path and a journey and to um, discover what grace is in your life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lori W. Um, we have time for our one more share. Who'd like to share? Monica Nessa R. All right, Nessa, you're up. Oh, thank you. Um, good morning, Vision for You. Uh, my name is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. You know, um, I was thinking um, and meditating this morning about the slogan, uh, take what you like and leave the rest, um, and how I got stuck in what I thought was step two of course I didn't understand step two and I thought oh I can do this I can do this program right I can talk to God I've been talking to God my whole entire life but I didn't realize that I'm not talking to God I'm bossing him around I'm telling him you know I'll make me thin 
while I continue to eat cheesecake, do this for me, do that for me, don't do that, make him do this, change this person, change that other person, you know, give me lots of money, help me win the lottery, you know, whatever. And you know what, what step two really is, um, what really helped me understand step two was um, being beaten by the food into, into a state of reasonableness. And what that is is, you know, listen, don't talk, shut up and listen, listen to God. Of course, at step two, I'm still not able to listen to God because I'm still, I'm still um, at the beginning stages of the disease. What helped me? What allowed me to be able to listen to God that was to continue with the rest of the steps? The rest of the steps um, taught me, taught me how to get out of myself, how to abandon that arrogance that I know everything and that everything should be my way. Because after all, you know, my knowing everything, my best thinking, my way got me into these rooms. It got me into an obese body a miserable life, you know, full of baggy clothes, broken relationships, almost destroyed my marriage. My children were unhappy. My life was full of tension. I lost two jobs. You know, that was my best thinking, you know, and all that suffering beat me into a state of reasonable. And all this stuff happened while I was still in the rooms, you know, still thinking, oh, I got this because I talk to God every day. I've been talking to God all my life. Um, You know, I had to abandon that arrogance and become teachable and you know what made me teachable was just the steps the steps um and uh um without that uh recovery cannot happen so um i would say the takeaway for me is listen you know stop talking and start listening listen to the sponsor listen to other recovered people uh just shut up and listen um that worked for me and with that i pass thank you Thank you so much, Nessa R. Um, we have one minute, so I'm just going to share something real quick. Alcohol was a great persuader. That was what did it to me. You know, I've been around these rooms for 30-something years, and people call me, and I have three years now recovered absence for the first time ever. And people call me all the time, and they're like, what was different? What was different? You know. Well, the truth was my disease. My disease got me down to a place of reasonableness. And you know, it was a tedious process. It took me 30 years, but it took what it took. Today, I do have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And what I finally had to realize is, you know, I always wanted to figure out this God thing, you know, before I did it, which doesn't make any freaking sense, you know, because here's the truth. I never stopped to figure out my disease. You know, I was 125 pounds overweight. I binged and purged several times a day. My life was miserable. You guys know what I'm talking about. But I never stopped and said, well, this doesn't make any sense. I don't think I'll do this today. No, I just did it. So I'm doing that today in my recovery with my prayer and meditation, with my steps. I'm just doing it. I'm not thinking about it. I'm just doing it. But I will tell you the truth. Alcohol was a great persuader. So hopefully it won't take you guys that long. But you know what? I'm so grateful for this life I have. I never, ever thought I'd be in this place today moderating the vision for you when I first started listening five years ago. I couldn't even imagine 30 days. So don't give up before the miracle happens. So anyway, let's wrap this meeting up. Thank you for everyone who shared today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing the share ID for today, Thursday, April 5th, 11251, 11251. So we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, 
followed by the serenity prayer. Will Arini M. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you. Um, With great honor and pleasure. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come. If your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got, see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. God bless you and keep you until then. 